Well, good morning. My name is Dallas. I'm one of the leaders here, and I'm going to read our scripture reading for the day, which is from Acts 9, starting at verse 26 and going through verse 30. It says this, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. The scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. I'd love to pray for Ira. Is that okay? I mean, I, if you say no to that, I don't know. I don't know if you can you say no to that? I don't know. Okay. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll just speak through Ira here today. Father, create in him a boldness to uh, speak your word and proclaim your word today. Father, I pray that you will just speak straight through him into this congregation. And I, I just get the sense that you're going to blow the lid off this place today. And I pray that you'll do that. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, the tree was turned the wrong way. <laughs> it would have been a long sermon for me with the tree upside down. I don't have issues. I don't have any issues. We've been talking these Sundays about the lifestyle of biblical characters and how we need to emulate those lifestyles. We see how they lived, and, and the Bible is just honest. I mean, it is just honest about, you know, the lives of, you know, the, the people that we see there. And today we come to Barnabas, uh, a lifestyle of encouraging others. Barnabas shows up in the book of Acts, and he first shows up in Acts chapter 4, and his name was Joseph, but the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas was an encourager. I mean, it's, it's what he did. He encouraged people. Uh, I'm sure that it's the way that when we're around people who encourage us, encouraging people, they leave us feeling refreshed, don't they? I mean, when somebody encourages us, it, it leaves us feeling ready to go. It lifts us. I mean, it lifts us up. And this is what, this is what Barnabas was. That's what he, what he did. And he brought energy and hope to everybody that he saw. And this is what we are to do as well, to bring that energy and hope. But in Acts chapter 9, as we come to the beginning of Acts chapter 9, we see Saul, uh, who is later our Apostle Paul. Saul's his Hebrew name and, and Paul his uh, Roman name that he used all the time later. But 
he is persecuting the church. And he was there, Saul was there when the first martyr in the church died, and that was Stephen. Uh, Saul was there. He held their coats so that they could throw the rocks harder, okay? And Saul continued then to persecute the church, and he chased down Christians. He was trying to stop this Jesus movement. He just wanted to stop it, and he hated everybody involved in it, and he wanted to put an end to this Christianity idea. So one day he was on the road to Damascus, and on the road he met Jesus. And from that moment of of, uh, Jesus appearing to him and speaking to him and of Saul meeting Jesus, he was, Saul was different from that moment on. His life completely turned around. It was changed from that moment. So Saul goes on to, to Damascus, and, and he's preaching Jesus now there. He'd gone there to arrest Christians and maybe bring them back to Jerusalem for trial and maybe death even, but he is now preaching Jesus. In fact, he preached it so strongly, preached Jesus so strongly in Damascus that the Jews that he'd been friends with just shortly before tried to kill him. And so he fled, and he came to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, that's where the first church was, the, you know, the early church. The first church was there, and the apostles and the elders of the church, they, they were leading that church. And so this is where we take up uh, in verse 26. And so Saul has fled for his life from Damascus, okay? And he, is, he has come to uh, Jerusalem, and he wants to join the church. He wants to join the church and be a part of this, part of this group, part of this fellowship in Jerusalem. And it's a huge fellowship. In verse 26, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. He wanted to join the church. He wanted to get involved in that. And they were all afraid of him because they did not believe that he was a disciple. They didn't believe that he had really been converted. They didn't really believe that he had, that he had changed. Some things, that, number one is this, if you're keeping notes. We need to find the good in people. If we're going to encourage folks, if we're going to be encouragers, We've got to see the good in people. We've got to look for the good in people and find the good in people. These disciples, they didn't see any good in Saul. They saw no good in him. But then again, they were there when Stephen was stoned. They knew of Saul's reputation. You know, he had probably arrested some of their friends, right? I mean, they saw this. They knew that this was going on. And so he tries to come in, and they see the bad in him. You know, that's all they see. They, they recognize the bad. And so they're not looking for good. Why should they? He's bad. He, the, the picture they have of him is being somebody who's evil and mean and trying to kill us. And he's trying to get in so that he can be on the inside and he's going to just betray us. I mean, that's what Saul is going to do. I mean, do you see what they're, I mean, do you see what they're thinking, right? And then there's Barnabas, verse 27. 
But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas found the good in Saul. He found the good in him. Sometimes we have, if we don't see any good in somebody, we, we have trouble encouraging them, giving them encouraging words, doing encouraging things for them. You have trouble patting them on the back. If they, you know, that person leaves a bad taste in our mouth. Uh, on, the, on the farm, and, and we still do it in our family, but when milk turns bad in the fridge, you know, milk is in the fridge and it starts to turn, we call that blinky milk. I guess probably some of you guys do that too. I don't know where that came from, but uh, we call it blinky. And so, you know, one day you'll have fresh milk and you'll get it out and, and you know, the, the next day and you'll taste it and it's, that milk's just, it's a little blinky, you know, it's just a little, it's a little off. And if it's not real blinky, you can still, you can still drink it, you know, that time, but you're not going to, you know, you may eat it on your cereal, you know, that time, but you know that the next day you're not going to want that milk It's blinky and it's got to go out and you need some fresh, you need some fresh milk. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth and it's hard to get that blinky taste out of your mouth. I'm the one who tests the milk around our house. If there's any doubt, is that I would taste this. This seems blinky. Yes, it is. Or no, it's not. It's good. So we're like that with people. We look at some people and we say, he's blinky. (laughs) He's turned. I, I just, I don't see the good. I don't see good there. We need to look for the good in people. And when we do that, then we'll be open to find the good in them. And we will reach out, be willing to reach out then a hand of encouragement to them to help them. And this is what exactly what Barnabas did. The apostles saw the bad and saw Barnabas saw the good. He just saw the good in him. And he reached out a helping hand to him. I'll bet somebody has in your life saw good in you maybe when others didn't. I bet somebody in your life saw good in you when maybe others didn't. Maybe a teacher, maybe a school teacher saw some good in you, even though your behavior was bad. And even though your grades weren't, I bet there's, I bet there's a teacher that saw some good in you. Maybe some friends along the way that, that saw some good in you. Maybe the person that hired you, you know, saw some good in you. And now you are where you are because somebody picked you up. Somebody encouraged you along. And those people who encourage us, those people who find the good in us, even when we're mostly bad, those people who find the good in us, they bring out the best. And this is what Barnabas did. He saw the good in him, he found the good in him, and he brought out the best in Saul. Number two, those who encourage are willing to take the time to help others. Those who encourage are willing to take the time to help others. Most of the time, we are, we are so involved in our schedule, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're so involved in our schedule. We're so stuck to our comfort zone. You know, we've got our schedule. We've got our comfort zone. And we don't really want to step out of that and take the time to stop and encourage somebody that we may think is down. We just go on, right? Because we got our stuff. I mean, we got our stuff. We don't have time you know, for, for that. We don't slow down 
enough, you know, for that to take place. But in verse 27, Barnabas took him, and he brought him to the apostles, and he declared, he told the apostles how on the road he'd seen the Lord, and, and the Lord spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly, Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. He was changed. Everything was changed about, about him. So Barnabas, look at this. Barnabas took Saul. He took him. He took him from a place of discouragement, maybe. Maybe Saul was discouraged. Okay? Maybe Saul was hurt. I mean, here, here is Saul. He's a Jew. He's a Pharisee. He's been all of his life, you know, uh, coming up in this Jewish hierarchy, you know, of Judaism. He's, he's coming up and, and maybe bound for one of the higher courts, you know, eventually. And so he's, you know, and a great teacher. And so all of a sudden, he meets Jesus. He gives all that up. Gives it all up. In fact, he later calls it the loss of all things. That's, what, that's how he describes it. The loss of all things. And so he's following Jesus. So he, that happens in Damascus. He comes to Jerusalem. He tries to join the church. He just tries to join the church. And they say, no, you can't come in. They're saying, Saul, you didn't see Jesus. You didn't see Jesus. You've not changed. We don't trust you. We don't like you. Right? But there's Barnabas. He took Saul from a place of discouragement, from a place of pain maybe, maybe from a place of anger. Maybe Saul was angry at the disciples for not letting him in. I mean, it's, you know, maybe he's thinking, maybe Saul's thinking, I don't really don't need those guys anyway. You know, I'll, I'll do my thing. I'll keep preaching, you know. But Barnabas took Saul from a place of discouragement, hurt, pain, anger, and he brought Saul to a place of resolution. He took him from a place of discouragement and brought him, do you see this? Brought him to a place of possible resolution and healing. And that's what, that's what, discourage, that's what uh, encouragement does. It takes us from a place that we are and brings us to a better place. This is what encouragement is. It takes us from this place and it brings us to a better, to a better place. Uh, Barnabas couldn't make those apostles accept Saul. He couldn't make that happen. But what he could do is take Saul and bring him there and allow God to do a work in those apostles' hearts. That's what he was able to do, you know? And, and we can't fix somebody, you know? We can't fix anybody, and, you know? But we can take them from a pla this place and bring them to a better place where God can do a work in their hearts. Encouragement takes people from where they are, brings them to a better place. And we don't have to be down to need encouragement. We don't have to be down 
to need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. So we don't have to wait until somebody is just dragging and at the lowest point in their life before we go to them and, and lift them up. You know, we all need encouragement every day. We all need it every day. This past Wednesday, I flew up here Thursday, and this past Wednesday I was, you know, I'm anxious, anxious about flying because it's just not good. It's, I'm thankful for it, but it's, you know, well, you know, the, I'm still with the King James Version where Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. <laughs> I'm, I'm still there. And some of you are too, don't, you know. Don't look at me like that. Some of you are as bad. So I'm anxious about flying. I'm anxious about this sermon today. And on Wednesday, I got a text from a member of our life group. Uh, Because in that life group, we share life together. I mean, that's what we do in the life group. We get in there and we share everything. I mean, we share, we cry together. And well, we've been through some things, our life group, you know, about 30 people. And, you know, so we know each other. I mean, we know each other. But on Wednesday, I got a text from Mona in in our life group, and this is what she said. Now, I'm not down. I'm not discouraged. I'm anxious. But on Wednesday, I'm not down at all. She says, I'm praying for you, Ira, that you will have God's peace as you prepare your sermon for Sunday. You put so much work into your lessons, they're always great. Now, she says, and she's in our Monday Life group every week, she says that the lessons are always great. I know that that is not the truth, okay? I know that. I understand that. And I don't walk away from class. I will not, well, I should maybe, but I will not walk away from this today and say, wow, Ira, you blew him away, man. That was so good. You did so good. I'm probably not going to do that. I'm probably going to leave here today and say, oh, I should have said this and I should have said that and I'm trying to teach Dallas not to do this, you know. You know, but you, I'm going to want to beat myself up. I mean, that's my tendency. And so she tells me on Wednesday, she tells me, you're, you, you know, you put the time in and you pray and, and your lessons are always great. I know it's not true, but her telling me that did something to me. I mean, I know it's not true all the time. I mean, she used an absolute. We're not supposed to use absolutes. You know, you, they're always great. You know, it wouldn't have the same power if she'd said they're sometimes great. <laughs> Or, I remember one that was great, you know, but, but, you know it's probably, that's probably different. I'm praying for you, Ira. I mean, it lifted me up. It lifted me. She says, you will deliver a godly sermon. God's Word never goes to waste. Many will be blessed by it. You know, not just get the, I'm not down. I mean, I'm not low. I'm not discouraged. I'm not... You know, depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm on Wednesday. I'm good. You know, and I get this, and I'm even better. Do you see how that works? I think it works the same for you. You know, I think it's, I think it's the same. Number three. Those who encourage understand the power of words. Those who encourage understand the power of words. Well, Barnabas took Saul. 
And he brought him to the apostles and he declared to them, he told them that Saul had been converted, that he had been changed, and his life was completely different. I don't know all the words that, that Barnabas used, and we don't know all that conversation that took place between Barnabas and, and Saul and, and the apostles, you know, we don't, we don't have all of that. So we don't know what your words he used, but we do know that what Barnabas said in that meeting, in that leadership meeting in the church in Jerusalem, we know that what Barnabas said spoke life into the ministry of Saul. It brought life to the ministry of Saul. And that's what words do, words can do, is speak life. They speak life. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's so true, isn't it? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Maybe we should live by this. Don't put your mouth in gear while your brain is still in idle. Do you know somebody that does that? Just point. If you don't really, don't, don't really. Don't put your mouth in gear while your brain is still not. We need to watch our words. We need to be careful about our words because words are very powerful. And it's with these words that we can bless and we can lift up and, and we, can, we can help people. We remember words, don't we? You remember words from your childhood. Some, some things that somebody said to you when you were a child. I remember words from my childhood from different people. I remember those words. We remember words. In fact, there's, we remember unsaid words, words that we wanted to hear, but we didn't. We remember, we remember those. Understand the power of words. If we're going to be encouragers, if we're going to encourage and lift up others, we've got to understand the power of words. The wrong word makes a difference. A misunderstood word makes a difference. A couple of weeks ago, on the way home from our life group on Monday night, we, uh, we made one of our famous food stops. Something always happens. I, I don't know why. So we go to, to Firehouse Subs. And so we're, we go and we order, you know, and then you sit down at this little row of tables and you, you know, you sit there and they're making your, your sandwiches just right above this thing and it's kind of high up. And, and so, so we're sitting there, uh, Toby and I are just sitting there talking and, and the lady who is, the girl who's fixing our sandwiches says, my head lice have been a problem <laughs> for two or three months and I don't know what to do about it. My head lice have been a problem. She's at this moment fixing our sandwiches. And Toby and I look at each other like, what do we do? I mean, what do you do? I mean, this is an attractive young girl, and it seems like, I, I, you know, I don't, what, do, what do we do? Do we go to run up to Walgreens and get her some shampoo? I mean, what do we, how do we, and so as we sat there just looking at each other, I mean, we're just looking at each other, you know, 
And we, she carries on, continues to carry on the conversation, and we realized that she said, my headlights, <laughs> not my headlights, my headlights on my vehicle have been a problem for two or three months, and I don't know what to do about it. I, worry, I mean, just, I mean, that changes the entire meaning of the conversation. And we were there for that just few moments, just that couple of three minutes, you know, we were there and we were looking at each other like, what do we do? I'm so glad we didn't go get shampoo for the girl. <laughs> Bring it back and start to give it to her. <clears throat> it's always been a problem in our homes that we don't understand the power of words. Often in our homes, somebody feels unappreciated, taken for granted, because we do all these things around the house, right? I mean, we do all these things, we're responsible for all these things, we work all day, we come home and we do, you know, we do these things and, we're, and nobody says anything. And we feel unappreciated, we feel taken for granted, and it's not a good feeling, and it's a common, it's a common thing, a common problem with this communicate, lack of communication, you know. And a few words, people, just a few words helps. Understand the power of words. Understand it. Barnabas knew this. He goes on and throughout his ministry in chapter 11, you know, read that. We don't have time for that, but read that and see. Well, he, he just picked people up with his words. He just knew what to say, and he knew how to, he knew how to, to say it. At work... At your work, just, just acknowledging someone's presence sometimes is enough encouragement to keep them going and to fire them up. Just saying, I see you, you're doing a good job. Try this. When you're, when you're out today or whenever, when you're out in a store or, you're, or even on the phone with somebody and you're working on, you know, your stuff on the phone and, you know, medical, whatever you're working on on the phone and and just thank them for doing a good job. Well, you, you've really done a good job with this. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me out with this. I appreciate you steering me through this. You're very kind, and, and I, I really appreciate the help. I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful for your help. Try that. Say it when you're being checked out. Say that to I appreciate your help, and you're doing a good job at this. This is stressful. I know all these people coming through here, and, and I, I appreciate that you've done a good job, that you're doing a good job. Try that. It lifts people up. It changes things, you know, that just those words, just, it changes things. It changes in our minds. It, it, it improves us, lifts us up. Our kids, I think kids need encouragement, more encouragement today than any time and ever in history. Because our kids are watching those videos. They're watching those videos, and if they compare themselves to the way those kids on those videos look and the things the kids on those videos can do, you know, four-year-olds shooting free throws from the half court, you know, whatever. I may have made that one up, but, you know, I mean, they see, but that's what they see. And if they compare themselves to that, then they need encouragement at home. They need encouragement from us. And we've got to continually lift them up and give them words of encouragement and, and help them and celebrate the victories with them. 
We today have the power of text. I bet there's somebody, I bet you could think of somebody right now that you could text and say, I'm praying for you. You've been on my mind today. You know what that does to somebody? You know what that does? I mean, it just lifts us. It just lifts us, lifts us up. Or say, how are you doing? How are you doing? I, I'm, I'm praying for you. Or say, I haven't forgotten about you. Hang in there. Hang in there. I'm, I haven't forgotten about you. It lifts, it lifts our load. It lightens our load. It helps us. It helps us to realize that we are not alone. We're not alone. And here is Saul in Jerusalem trying to get into the church, and Saul goes to him, and, and the, the apostles won't let him in. They're afraid of him. And Saul goes to him and says, I mean, Barnabas goes to Saul and says, you're not alone in Jerusalem. Come with me. I want you to come with me. And Saul might have said, hey, I'm finished with those guys. Or I'm, you know, I'm, no, no, you're going to come with me. Come with me right now. And he took him and he lifted him up. That's, he lifted the load. And that's what, that's what it does. It encourages us. It, it lifts our load. It lightens our load that is too heavy for us to carry. And it reminds us that we are not alone. We're not alone. What can you do to lift someone's burden? What can you do? Think of somebody right now. What can you do to lift someone's burden? Who is it that needs a lift? And we can't always see it, right? Because we're pretty good at faking. We're pretty good at pretending everything is okay even when it's not. And that's when the Holy Spirit of God tells us to, that we need to say something to somebody or send a text, and we just don't understand why, and we don't, you know, but we just send something and it just helps them. We need to remind people, you are not alone. God is with you and God is able. Amen? God is with you and God is able. Those who encourage. When we've been around someone who encourages us, we feel refreshed. Like we were really thirsty and somebody gave us a cold drink. Like a fresh breath of air when you've been somewhere stuffy and, and then you step in. The last few days up here, you're outside and you step into the nice air conditioning and you're like, oh, right? It's refreshing. It feels good. And, and we need that from others. What do you need to do? What would the Lord have you do today? Who is it? Who is it that you need to be encouraging? Who is that person? What are you going to do with it? Kind of, what is the Lord dealing with you about? Maybe something, nothing to do with this. The altar is open. Dallas is going to be here, and and uh, and the others will be here. And if you, if God's dealing with you about something, come up here during this during this song. Okay, let's pray together, Father. I thank you that you are the encourager, you are the comforter. And I thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit into each of our lives as believers.
that he might encourage us and help us. Lord, help us to be willing to share encouragement with others. Lord, put people on our hearts that need a lift, that just need a lift, and help us to be bold enough, help us to take the time, help us to take the risk to encourage them. Lord, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand.